Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Oh, so many on the team of Perry and Shauna mornings. It's just a blast to have you on the team. And it's me and Shauna. And we've just got one of our favorite guys with us. I know we always say that, but we just have, everybody's our favorite. We've got good people. Yeah. Got good people around us. Steve Arterburn is the author of Every Man's Battle. He created the Women of Faith Conferences. I'm so grateful for that. I've been on the blessing end of that. Created the Life Recovery Bible and Every Man's Battle Bible. And he's been with us here before. We're so happy to have him back. Glad to talk with you. I think it was eight or 10 months ago that we talked with you. Mm -hmm. So it feels like yesterday. It does. It does. (laughs) Okay. What primarily do you think keeps people who are in need of professional help for their mental health from reaching out and getting the help that they need? Well, you know, there are two different types of churches uh, in this day and age. Well, there, of course, there are a lot of types of churches, but, but you know, there's the one type that really wants people to get help, and they know that just memorizing Scripture isn't enough for certain things. People that maybe have a a brain that's the chemistry's off, or maybe they've been traumatized early in life. They they really want folks to get help, and and so they they provide many different ways for that to happen: small groups and even counselors on staff. Even in those places, it's still a bit of a stigma to get help. It might reflect that you're not spiritually strong and all that. But then you've got this. It's almost like they're 50 years behind where the pastor wants to be everything Mm -hmm. and you come to him, all your problems. And, you know, there are just certain things that a pastor is really great. Even the healthiest of pastors are great at, but certain limitations. But if you're in a church where it's like a theocracy and he's the big shot leader (laughs) and everything goes through him or her, then, you know, they're probably not healthy anyway. And so to be going there, you can get some really, really bad advice, superficial stuff. And it goes back to Jeremiah 6, 14, where Jeremiah said, from prophets to priests, they do this. They treat the mortal wounds of my people with superficial treatment. And Mm. he was saying that back then. And I think that's a big part of our problem today is when somebody does reach out, they may get a, uh, a misguided, misinformed, or superficial type of treatment that really needs some deeper work done. Yeah. yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that a couple of times. But thankfully, I'm alive and still here. Well, you know, one of the saddest things is is we will hear that a woman, let's say her husband is even hitting her. Now, you'd think I'm making this up maybe, or maybe this is from 10 years ago, but this is just a few weeks ago. The woman went to the pastor and he said, you know, you you just stay in there, hang in there Mm -hmm. and God's going to honor your faithfulness. Well, you know, if I had talked with her, I would have said, "Okay, the first thing is we need to get you safe. And so let's work on that. And then then we take it from there. But that kind of advice is just one of the, the worst things I believe anybody. You can hang in there, but not live in the same house with a guy that that beat you, you know that that's ridiculous to think that there's some scriptural mandate to endanger yourself and your children when you you are really jeopardizing 
yourself and them. So I, I just love it when pastors get help, refer people out. New Life, you know, our home, our home mission at New Life has been to work and come alongside the church and provide the kind of help that a church might have difficulty uh, providing. Yeah, I mean, in the marriage relationship, sometimes the most loving thing that you can do to actually rescue and help your marriage is to set healthy boundaries that keep you from hurting one another. Well, exactly. And, you know, many times people will take whatever they're doing to the extreme that is allowed by the other person. Mm -hmm. For one, they don't know how to stop. They don't know how to change. And whatever you put up with is what you have to put up with. And when you finally say, okay, this me being nice isn't doing it, or, or me trying to shame the other person doesn't do it, I have to do something different. That's really the beginning of hope. And we know with kids, if you just let them do anything, you, you're going to have a really crummy kid. And in, in our relationships, even though our age is different, we can sure act like we're a child and be childish and we need somebody to step up and be the adult in the room and say, this isn't going to happen anymore here. So sometimes maybe one of the big reasons, Steve, we don't seek out help is that we think, I think, well, people are going to realize I'm not spiritually strong, but isn't that the case? You know, the whole gospel says we are absolutely needy, dependent, desperate, that all we need is our need to come to Christ. And so there's a, there's a fallacy there in that maybe what we're hearing from our churches or American Christianity is that it's all about being strong when that's the opposite of the gospel. Well, I think if you look at the full counsel of Scripture, you have a different conclusion and the full counsel of Scripture, let's let's look at adding humility, and, and I don't think there's anybody to argue that the Bible calls us to be humble, and then like a verse, James 5.16, confess your sins one to another, pray for each other, uh, that you might be healed. So if I'm humbly confessing and being open, it obviously means there are, there are things to confess. And when... When a person says things like, I have been delivered, I, I would say, hey, I, I know you've been struggling with alcohol. What happened? I was delivered from that problem. Well, I think that is an amazing gift, and it actually does happen. It's rare. It's a miracle. But was that person delivered into character? Were they delivered into Christian maturity? No. You still, even if you're right. delivered or you're functioning at maximum spiritual strength, you still need a growth program. You need to be discipled. You need to be growing. And then I also asked them, were the people that got hurt in the midst of your alcoholism and addiction, were they delivered from their resentment and bitterness that was created from the things you did that hurt them? So we all need a process. Even deliverance, even in the most spiritually strong, we are, we're cautioned. If you think you're strong, whoa, look out. So all of us need connection, redemptive relationship. And sometimes we need somebody that has specialized in problems to come up with 
unique and different solutions for our situation. Dr. Steve Arterburn, Christian counselor, author, Bible editor, I mean, created the Women of Faith conferences, and so many stuff, so many good things at their website, newlife.com. You can actually call to ask a question uh, about, you know, some kind of thing that you're going through. There's also a, a, a tab for counselors. You can click on that, and, and they do telehelp. So just a great resource, newlife.com. I started seeing a counselor in, I think, early 2018. Mm-hmm. And I had some of these, you know, obstacles myself as far as like, wow, if I have to go to a counselor, that means, you know, I'm really in big trouble kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I started going and, and came to a point where I thought, you know, I feel like I can kind of move on and probably not meet with my counselor anymore. And I was like, why would I stop? I'm just receiving so much, mm. you know, good counsel and have a place where, you know, my heart is always in check and I can be completely honest about what's going on and not have to, ah, you know, tiptoe around issues or be careful about what is spoken because of who might be known or who might be connected. It's like just a place where, oh, it's just been so good for me. And so I'm, I'm a huge proponent for Christian counseling. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I benefited myself and I think of the passage in James isn't it God opposes the proud mm-hmm. and he gives grace to the humble? That's it. So, you know, we need to be willing to say, hey, I have need. And, you know, in the gospel, all we need is need. Steve, how do we help reduce the stigma and encourage wellness in others? Well, when um, I was touring with Women of Faith, one of the, the great speakers was Sheila Walsh, and and she probably did more to help than anybody, any one person I've seen, because she would talk about her own struggle with depression mm-hmm. and her own need from time to time for her brain to kind of be reset mm-hmm. with medication. And so I think it's when we're able to share our own situations and struggles that we help other people get there. I'm having great, wonderful time with my wife in marriage, but we have gone to marriage counseling since we got married. Mm-hmm. So we every week, you know, I have my own counselor. I tell people get counseling and I have a counselor and I go to that counselor every week, Charlie. And, and so I encourage people, if you're not experiencing the results that you want from your life, consider doing what a lot of people do. And that is Get some outside help. You have Mm -hmm. consultants for businesses and ministries. Why wouldn't you consider that for your own life? Well, even the best actors or the best athletes have coaches. Trainers. Yeah. Yeah. And so do the not the best ones. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Tiger Woods of the marriage situation. So, you know, it's just really important. At New Life, we we have a thing. It's an intimacy in marriage intensive And we have people that have restraining orders against each other. They can't even stay in the same room. We start on a Friday and we finish on Sunday. We have people that hate each other and some have already filed for divorce. And we have a 95% success rate with that problem because we really get them 
to see everything from a different perspective, not a right and wrong. You're right and I'm wrong, but you're broken and I'm broken Mm. perspective. Now, what do we do in this relationship? And, you know, it's not about let's learn to communicate better, because if you hate somebody, learning to tell them that more effectively, (laughs) probably. uh, So we really do a lot of work in a short length of time. And, you know, nothing gets fixed in a weekend, but the trajectory and the willingness is what changes. So I can tell you there is hope for the most hopeless situation. And, you know, I, I remember me and my wife sitting down with a marriage counselor and, and the counselor saying to my wife, so tell me how you feel about Steve. And she said, I feel nothing for him. And then she says to me, and how do you feel about your wife? And I said, I feel nothing for her. And so, you know what the counselor said? She goes, okay, great. Well, that's what you have in common. So, and Mm -hmm. off we went and really it began a great, great healing and growing process to get us where we are today. So I know what it's like to have nothing in a marriage and build it from there. So that was the common point. That was the place from which to build. Well, she was just so smart at, you know, not letting us just, you know, live right there. And mm-hmm. and and so we were all grinning when she said, OK, well, you've got that in common. So <laughs> let's go. And it just began a different kind of journey together. So somebody's listening right now and they're saying, wait a minute, 95% success rate with marriages. How do I get connected? Can you just real quick tell us, tell the couple that needs what you're referring to, how to get involved? Well, most of the time people have to get really desperate before they do because they still haven't learned that trying harder uh, usually just makes trying harder if you're just trying mm. harder at the hard <laughs> things that you've been trying. So, but once you realize that this is not going to get better in and of myself, I can't do it. You call us at 1-800-NEW-LIFE and we tell you all the stuff. It's just that simple. 1-800-NEW-LIFE and we'll tell you about the the workshop and, and how to be part of it. We do every man's battle. Uh, every month we do an intensive like we do for marriage. And there are guys that go there that are They don't want to be there. They're just trying to pacify somebody Mm. and they walk out of there determined to be men of integrity. And so there's always something you can do other than think that I'm supposed to have all the answers for my problems. You aren't and you don't. And we can help you when you are ready to get some kind of help outside of what you think is best for you and your situation. And Steve, I really appreciate the fact that when we call 1-800-NEW-LIFE, you're there on the other end of the line answering the calls yourself. It's just commendable, my friend. Every now and then, that is true, though. Hmm. And I'll do that. Impressive. And it's quite fun. And it's so enjoyable. But, you know, I am the one that answers the phone when you, you know, our New Life Live program that we do. And you yeah. can access that at newlife.com or YouTube, SiriusXM, all those kinds of places. I still love getting to work with folks over the phone on our program, but it, it becomes more and more troubling to me every year that I do it. I, I feel it deeper 
because, you know, we're we're really in in some tough times right now. You know, I filled up my car uh, this past week and it was sixty seven dollars to fill up my car. Now, for me, I'm going to be okay with that. But for a lot of people, that is is just a ton of money that they don't have. Steve, let's talk about, you know, just there's so much anxiety right now in this world. I mean, gas, you mentioned gas prices, but just talk about, you know, the broad sweep of we're so anxious. We are. And a lot of people have quit going to church. They, you know, stayed home during COVID and they haven't gone back yet. But one of the finest uh, research projects ever done, in fact, it was done out of Harvard, if you can imagine that, shows that if you're going to church uh, every week, you have a 33% greater chance of staying alive. They did a 16-year study, and those that went to church every day, they had a 33% chance more likely to be alive at the end of the study than those that didn't go to church. And five times less suicide, 50% greater chance that you don't divorce, just all of these benefits. So you need to get back into church and get connected with people face-to-face in that environment again. You need to do that. And then secondly, I think now more than ever, you got to find a friend. You need a counselor or a friend or a pastor, sponsor, mentor, somebody that you can sit down face-to-face with and talk about life, not just over the phone or Skype or, or whatever. That's how we lower our anxiety, as well as get into God's Word. I mean, it is transformational to read the truth that's in that Bible. And so if we can do these things, uh, we can lower that anxiety. It really is, really is a hard time going into Christmas this year for a lot of people, a lot of uncertainty. We've seen so many changes for the worse. I feel for you. And I really feel for the folks that are trying to handle all this without letting anybody know that they're struggling. We love to hear a person's faith story. Absolutely. It's just we love to share that kind of stuff on our show. We share ours okay. all the time. And people are kind of tired of it right now, so we need a fresh one. <laughs> so if you would, yeah, just share your faith story. Well, I love talking about how Jesus is like Buddha and Muhammad and the other great teachers. So, yeah, just go ahead and ask me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, what we're doing here is we're actually getting your credentials. You know, we, we know you've got degrees and you've got experience. We just want to know where you are with Jesus. So this is very telling. <laughs> so yeah. how did you find Jesus? How did you fall in love with Jesus? Well, I went into the bedroom at nine with my dad and uh, I came out having accepted Christ as my Savior. And I, at age nine, turned everything over to Christ and experienced great feeling of well-being. And and then, a short time later, I started taking things back from Jesus that I had turned over. Mm-hmm. But I did experience the feeling and the knowledge that my sins had been uh, forgiven. But You know, I just didn't continue through my teen years with being totally surrendered to Christ. And and of course, I regret that. So when I went to Baylor, I was a promiscuous guy. And eventually, a girl became pregnant by me. And I pressured her to have an abortion. 
<laughs> and about three days after that happened, I realized that I had destroyed my own child, that I had literally murdered my descendant. And I know that sounds harsh, but it was a harsh thing. And so I sank into a really deep depression. I had 80 ulcers eating at me. I was going to die. It was just all of the guilt and the shame that I had because there was no one I could go to to talk about what had happened. And eventually, a couple of things happened. I I went to um, an event. I heard a, a message by Chuck Swindoll where Chuck said, you know, your past just ended one second ago. Mm-hmm. Why would you live in it? And I began to realize that where I had been trying to convince God, no one had ever felt worse about this than me. What God really wanted me to do was to accept his grace and forgiveness and start to repurpose my life and get on with my life. And so that began a radical, radical change and journey that took me to seminary to study counseling. And the change was so radical at Baylor that many of my friends did not think it was sincere. You know, I I would hear that they were just waiting for this all to turn around. But I knew it was the real thing. And I would say to people, you know, if you hear me talking like that, or you see me doing things like this, or going places like that, you will know that this has all been for nothing. But if if you see these other things, you'll know that this was real. And I'm not going to ever have to tell you that it was real. And, and it really was the beginning of a whole new way of life for me with Christ. And I'm so grateful for that time. Just really appreciate you sharing that. We love to open up our, our mess as well, mm-hmm. because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got something. You, know, you look at Moses, you look at David, you look at Paul, you look at Peter. God used failures to make leaders. Yeah. Well, you know, my wife and I are Bible editors, and we're working on three projects right now for Tyndale House. And one of the projects, she's doing the one-year Bible for women, and I'm doing the one-year Bible for men. So on this one day, you know, there's an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage each day as you read through the Bible. In the Old Testament, I read of Aaron God's first high priest worshiping a golden calf. Mm. And on the same day, I turn over to the New Testament and Peter is denying Jesus three times, the head of the, you know, the church. And, you know, I just thought, wow, look at what happened there. He didn't go to his high priest, first one he ever hired for high priest and say, well, you blew it. You're not going to be high priest. And Jesus didn't go to Peter and say, I can't believe after all this time together. You messed up here and said you didn't even know me. Forget you. No, they still had the same calling on their life. They were restored and they lived out that calling. And I think there are a lot of people. They're living in sexual addiction, drug addiction, whatever. And they think they've gone too far, done too much. I thought that when I paid for that abortion. But if they could humble themselves and repent, confess, come back to the Lord, they would discover something that there is still a calling on their life, a reason Mm -hmm. that they were created and they could find that and live the fulfilled life. They're not beyond the grace and the rich mercy of God. It never gets old to hear of the incredible 
incredible, limitless forgiveness of the Lord. And I don't think it's any accident that you're listening right now. Maybe you didn't intend to be listening right now, but you are, and you just heard of this incredible grace that is for you as well. You've been thinking, it's not for me. My sin is too great. I've blown it too much. But God is saying this morning that I gave my son for you. And Jesus is saying, I gave my life for yours. And it's time to get a do-over and to take hold of the life that I've called you into. I just came across this post on Facebook. It says, you know, Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. It just goes on and on and on. We're just, we're people, fallible people with stuff in our past, stuff in our present, who are fully surrendered to the Spirit of God the presence of God, the power of God, the grace, the love, and the mercy of God, who just keep our eyes focused on him every single day to lead us through. And I know what you might be thinking right now. I have repented. I have asked forgiveness a thousand times, but I don't feel forgiven. And, you know, feelings are are a beautiful thing, and we need to pay attention to our feelings. But when God says, when God promises forgiveness, you know, he gives it to us, whether we feel it or not. And our feelings do need to catch up. But the truth is that your feelings that say you're not forgiven are lying to you. Mm-hmm. If you have truly said, Lord, I'm sorry, he doesn't expect you to keep beating yourself up. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know what? If you if you need some encouragement in moving forward, you can get a hold of Steve's ministry, New Life. And it's 800-229-3000, 800-229-3000. But better yet, get a hold of somebody that you know and trust, and they're walking with Jesus, and they're a trustworthy person that you can open up your life to and just share what's going on and that, that you want to move forward. And we're in it with you. When it comes to physical illnesses, there are things that maybe things that we battle for a lifetime physically, but there are also things that take us out, (laughs) take us down and we fully recover. And, you know, we don't shame one another for, you know, having having to, you know, get treatment for ulcerative colitis or, you know, for whatever you sprained your ankle but we haven't seemed to grab onto the need for help with our mental health in in the same way whether it's lifelong or whether it's for a season yeah and you know you hear things people say things like well you know paul the apostle paul didn't have a a counselor and and i'll say well he didn't have a dentist either but i bet he sure would have loved one from time to time and or a chiropractor that's all the stoning he had done anyway there are things that are available that weren't available before and people that that think that counseling isn't uh biblical or whatever you're you're really putting yourself above all of these tremendous bible leaders who went off to college, got doctorates in helping people, not from the pulpit, but in a private counseling session. There's so many really amazing, dedicated, committed Christians that this is what they feel called to. And you're essentially uh, saying that all these people are off track or heretical or whatever. And and then you just have to wonder 
why would somebody make such a sweeping judgment uh, against so many wonderful people who've committed their lives to helping people through counseling? When you look at the people that get help, they don't one day go, oh, well, I guess I don't need church anymore. No, they're, they're wanting to be in church because they know how to connect in healthy ways with people. So if you're down on counseling, you ought to ask yourself, why? Why am I afraid to get help myself? What area might I be protecting myself in, and as a result, not growing to the extent that I could be? So one of the things I have observed about Christian counseling or counseling in general is the the cognitive based therapy approach, you know, change your thinking, you're going to change your life, you know, and that's helped me. But, you know, I've got a dear friend of mine who from the time he was a young boy just had the sense of and he grew up in a great family, had the sense that you're on your own. It's up to you. You got to figure it out. Uh, Nobody's really there for you. And as a result, you know, with those early thoughts and some traumatic things that happened as a teenager, you know, has a firmly rooted core feeling that no one's there for him and that God is against him. God does not love him. And you know what? Cognitive-based therapy might help like 0.99%. There it is. Yeah. So when you look at Romans 12.2, It says that we need to allow God to transform us by changing the way we think. And and you could read that and say, I need to change the way I think, which is a good thing. But it also is pointing to God doing the transforming, a supernatural cooperation with God to transform the way you think. Now, what could get in the way of that process. Trauma early on, disorder, chemistry, pathways, whatever. And and so cognitive therapy, anybody thinking that cognitive therapy alone is the answer to anything outside of a biblical truth, they're misguided also. Mm. If, if I need medication for attention deficit disorder, which I do and I take, I take that. That's not cognitive therapy, but it allows me to actually still be paying attention at the end of a 30-minute interview, whereas I wouldn't necessarily do too well with that. You know, my, my grandfather committed suicide, and my mother discovered him. So not only does she kind of have a genetic predisposition to depression, but she was traumatized. And fortunately... She took medication to make that better. She also went to see a counselor. Mm -hmm. So I just don't think, well, I've said it this way. No one thing fixes everything, but one thing can destroy everything. How many major ministries have you seen go down because of this one area that was never dealt with? So I'm with you when, when like your friend can't, be completely helped with cognitive therapy. But oh my goodness, if he were to get help from a trauma specialist who is a born again, a biblically grounded counselor, your friend would be a different friend 
if he got the right kind of help. And what about the realm of we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and how the enemy is involved with mental, emotional, spiritual affliction? Yeah, we need to we need to do all of that. We need to grow as Christians. We need to do spiritual warfare. We need to ask for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to protect us and empower us. And in addition to that, we need to realize we aren't in the Garden of Eden. We are a broken world. We are broken people. And sometimes that requires more than just the spiritual focus of our lives. We are not just spiritual. Mm-hmm. We are also emotional and relational, and we need to deal with those areas also. We're not in the Garden of Eden. We're in a fallen place, a broken world, where good people, good families have brokenness, and bad people have brokenness. Right. You know, it's just... and. and you know, it's really important to realize that we are spirit, soul, mind, and body, and we're a whole. So it's not just one thing that needs help. We we need God's grace for the whole person, and and counselors, you know, can really bring help to the the wholeness of the of the person if they know, you know, if they're if they're trained well and they're godly and they have insight. But it's, you know, when you when it comes to mental health issues, it's it's complex. It's I guess that's what I'm saying. So this is so small compared to what, you know, people go through on a regular basis. But there was a time when I had a chronic pain in my joints. It went on for six weeks. And that may seem like nothing compared to what you're sitting in and what you're going through. But to be in pain in my wrists, my elbows, my knees and my ankles every day all the time with every movement was so wearing on me. It was a physical pain, but I was just emotionally spent like in tears from just the exhaustion of it. Okay. Flip that. I've had, you know, emotional experiences that have just weighed so heavily on my mind that I don't sleep well, that, you know, I go through my days feeling exhausted. So it's just we are, you talked about this whole being, right? Like it, it is all so intertwined, relational, emotional, physical, spiritual. Yeah. And the spiritual side where, you know, we're in a battle, we're in a struggle, not against flesh and blood and the enemy comes against us and he oppresses us and he lies to us and he, you know, accuses us. And so there's that side of it as well. Right. Right. Well, I have been, I have been personally so blessed by your ministry, by your books and your influence. And I love that you are passionate about the word of God. And I want to hear more about this truth movement that you've got coming up for women. Can you tell us about Lumina? Well, we're working with the Museum of the Bible to create an experience there that would inspire and motivate women to learn the Bible, you know, the biblical illiteracy of younger women is, mm-hmm. is pretty strong. And so let's let's learn this truth and let's impact our families with it and let's impact our local culture with it. You see this movement now of people not allowing the school boards to determine what their kids are going to be 
taught. So let's know what they need to be taught. Let's stand up for what's right. So we're really hoping that out of the Museum of the Bible, we can create a movement to get people back into the Bible, learning it, living it, and impacting and changing our world with it. And when will this launch at Museum of the Bible? Well, our first event will be in October of 2022. And if you go to newlife.com, we'll keep you updated on it. But you'll hear about it. We, we have just had our initial meetings, and we're lining up those who are going to be part of this amazing experience <laughs> at the Museum of the Bible, October of 22. Well, that sounds exciting, like a brand new generation being impacted with God's Word. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thrilled because, you know, I'm a Bible person. I, I love the Bible. And then mm-hmm. the Museum of the Bible is such a gift to our world. The Greens have, you know, put about a half billion dollars of their own money into it. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is one of the most incredible places that every family, I would hope, eventually would get to see. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.